Hugh Smith, M. Russell and L. Pitt all present and accounted for, which at one stage on Friday afternoon, I wasn't very confident in saying as I tried to make my way to Wollongong in amongst the uh, the traffic snarl. It was more than a snarl. I've never seen a place grid-locked, grid-locked like, uh, like Wollongong was on Friday afternoon. And I was uh, on the... Uh, on the radio, on the two-way being talked in by Matt Russell, who was trying to get me down to the, onto the tarmac. My goodness, and it was a, you know, a tragic situation, quite obviously, a, a double fatality, nine cars involved in an accident down there on the flat part when you get down the bottom of the hill and you turn right heading further south on the M1 down there at Wollongong. But um, at one point, uh, I was about to call you back, Matty Russell, and say, you know what, I said to you I was pretty confident about making the game for the... The Dragons and the Cowboys on Friday night at 6 o'clock. I was second-guessing at 5.30 when I was still in my car and, I don't know, a kilometre and a half, two kilometres from uh, from the stadium. I, I mean, I can't remember the last time I panicked like that or if I've ever panicked the way I was starting to panic because I told you at about, I don't know, what, 10 to 5? No, I'm good. I'm only about... 4Ks away. Well, I was going nowhere in a hurry at one stage and I was seriously panicking that I was going to miss the start of an NRL game, a broadcast live on Fox League. That's I was, yeah, boy, it, it was ordinary. Lara, it is a stuff nightmares are made of. I'm sure Waz has had it as well, where you wake up in a cold sweat and you are dreaming that you are late to kick off. It and usually involves no clothing. Ab- absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Honestly, You're nude one, walking through the concourse. Can't find my clothes, can't find my coat, can't find my tie, yeah. a whole range of stuff. And I'm like, oh, cr- and the hair's not done. What's going on? But uh, our problems are completely inconsequential to the two poor souls who lost their life. Mm -hmm. That aside, to be in that predicament with Wollongong in gridlock with kickoff waiting for no man, it is a horrible, horrible feeling. And uh, a lot of the players encountered the same problems. I heard a story about uh, Jeremy Lattimore, as relayed to me by uh, Sean Timmons, having to get on a motorbike, a lift to the ground, if I'm not mistaken, to make kickoff. So you weren't the only one. And uh, Lara, it's a horrible feeling. Late to the studio, late Mm -hmm. to a new room you've been in that pretty I've had that nightmare before I reckon around getting not not being prepped for a studio show and being told you you're going you're on air you're done and you're like I have no idea what's happening no one showed me a rundown (laughs) but I'm just on air and it's just this horrible feeling I similarly around sport when I used to play basketball I always had that dream that I miss the the winning layup or the missing (laughs) basketball shot because my feet are stuck in the mud you know it's just that horrible nightmare anyway um and the Dragons players as you said they were they were caught up in all of this because normally, you know, we see teams catch the team bus, but if they're local, they just make their own way there. I think a lot of them arrived just after 5 or just before 5.30 and then had five minutes to get ready quickly for warm-up and, and out there. Yeah. So it, it can be done, but it, it clearly had an impact on them to start the game because Cowboys came out um, and bamboozled them early in that one. And they stay across the road, of course. They just set off yeah. on foot and walk easily. It was a different story for the home team, which doesn't quite make sense. Being late, a theme for the round, because on Saturday I was flying to the Gold Coast to do the game at Seabar Super Stadium, meant to fly at 10 past 9 at midday. We're still at Sydney because of the fog on Saturday morning. As I was driving in, I saw an international flight taxiing in, having landed. And I thought, oh, beautiful, the fog mustn't be that bad because flights are clearly landing. Well, no, they're not. 
taking off. So we took off at midday, arrived Gold Coast just after one, three o'clock kickoff. Luckily, no delays with the hire car. And racing car driver M. Shervington did a fantastic <laughs> job despite Shervo. all the Logies traffic that was there. I've never seen so many um, chauffeur drivers holding iPads reading A. Keller and co. In mm. fact, she was on our flight. Even Amanda was late to the Logies the day beforehand. But um, <laughs> it's a horrible feeling was. You think yeah. one little traffic delay here on the road between Gold Coast and Brisbane or a higher car delay and we're going to be calling on the Ray Warren helicopter to get us to see Bus Super Stadium. That's a common issue with the Canberra flights because it's often during winter the fog out of Sydney or the fog at the other end in Canberra and we've had had commentators be told, like Hannah Hollis had it earlier this year where her flight was cancelled, she had to jump in her car, she was at the airport, had to go back, get her car and drive the three-hour drive down and, and only just make kickoffs. So Yeah, well, I've had the situation before where we were flying to Canberra and got down there and the fog between us taking off in Sydney in the Dash 8, uh, this is, you know... Lara loved prob- the Dash 8. This is probably 20, oh. probably 20 years ago, late 90s, and I'm with Gary Freeman and a bunch of others going down to call Canberra versus whoever... And we get down to Canberra and the place is now shrouded in fog mm. and we come into land, can't land because I can't see the tarmac, they need visuals. So we go around again and then we go, we come in and we don't get in again a second time Ugh. and we're all like, and the people are starting to turn a bit white <laughs> and the pilot comes on the, on the two-way and he says, well, it's like this, we're going to have another crack but if we don't get in, we are flying back to Sydney because we don't have enough petrol to have another pass and to try and come around and do it for a fourth time. So it's third time lucky or we're going back to Sydney. Or, uh, you know, like that wouldn't (laughs) sharpen your focus as a pilot, but up the back of the plane, I'm telling you, um, it was very, very nervous. And we got in, thank God, because otherwise, I don't know, we would probably flown back to Sydney and I don't know we, we would have had time to then drive to Canberra. Yeah, who calls the game? Who and calls I, the back game? At, back in those days, I don't we I don't know if we had the setup where we could have called a game off the monitor. So I don't know what it would have happened. There would have been three blokes out of the crowd <laughs> lassoed and said, here's some headsets. You guys are calling the game for Fox Sports. I but don't uh, know. As a side issue, the modern wonder that is air travel, how the <laughs> hell can't planes land or take off in fog? Maybe they can take off, I don't know, but why can't they land? Every single bit of technology at their disposal, why can't we put a big lump of metal on a runway using computers in 2019? We need to get a, what are they called, Mm. aerospecialist on the potty and ask the hard-hitting questions about about these sorts of things. We need the very fast, we need the bullet train. I'm, I'm yep. all, if we had a bullet train, I would catch the bullet train to Brisbane and Melbourne to do games, no yeah. question. We need yeah. Gladys Berejiklian on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Gladys, make Campaign it happen. Campaign for the commentators to I tell make you, I'm not it flying in a Boeing 737 MAX no, anytime no, no. soon, given the issues that Boeing have had, quite obviously, yeah. with two tragedies. And then the more stories you read about Boeing and the way they're oh. cutting, I mean... Please, if any of the Australian airlines, let me tell you, if you're out there and you're thinking about buying 737 Maxes from Boeing, <laughs> I won't be flying with you. I will walk. <laughs> I, I will ride my push bike, but I won't be flying on your Boeing 737 Maxes, Virgin, Qantas, Rex, Jetstar, Tiger. Um, they're, they're grounded. With camels. They're grounded, matter. aren't they? Because I got yeah, on a plane for so. work the other week and I Googled Honestly. it just before I was getting Honestly. on to make sure the plane I was getting You are a worrywart when 
when you fly, aren't you? You're a worry one. I would have needed a Valium for that whole fog landing thing or knock me out. Um, Very fast train was first stop Wollongong, second stop Golden (laughs) Supermax, Golden Supermax, and then third stop Canberra. Beautiful. Let's Mm. make it happen. Hang on, why is the train (laughs) stopping at the jail? Drop Ivan off. Ivan off. Ivan's not in Supermax anymore. He's he's all but. At one point, while I was sitting in the traffic snarl, and I got, and I thought I was a bit. I was going well for a little while after I got off the M1 where the major New drama was. Road was that I'll get you out of jail. And then, but then I got it. The closer you got, the harder it got. And I was down the back of um, in this little, as it turns out, a laneway. I thought I was I was getting a bit too cute for myself and got stuck in a in a jam behind the police station in Wollongong, going nowhere. And I'm like, oh my god! And I could see a guy, a young bloke in his twenties, standing on the footpath. And I had the windows up, and I'm and it, honestly, I was tossing through my head. This is how nervous and panicked I was getting. I've got a hundred dollars in my wallet. If I say to him, "Mate, drive my I, car," w- jump in the driver's seat and park this car um, at the southern end in the car park at Wind Stadium. Get this is how you get round there if you don't know how to get round there, and then just bring the car keys to the front door of security at the stadium, because I was thinking that might have been my only way. I think I'm, I'm not going to get out of this. There's a little laneway at the back of the police station. I'm stuck here forever. <laughs> and I was – for five minutes, I reckon, I sat there tossing up, do I do it? Do I give a complete stranger the car keys and say – and what happens if he just drives off and says, you beauty, got myself a – Behind the police got station. Got myself a five-year-old <laughs> Volvo. Um, what happens then? You find I, it burning out at the bottom of Macquarie <laughs> well, Park. Exactly, That's what happens then. And the insurance company says, so how did you lose your car? Well, I gave the car keys to a bloke and said, drive it to the car park. And they go, thanks very much. We're not paying you. <laughs> so anyway, all this was going – as a result, I walked into the stadium – and I almost did like a warrior's, you know, breathing circle with myself <laughs> just for a second there, just to <gasps> like this, just sort of just try and get some calm down and get my nerves calm. I took a couple of Panadol. I don't know if I needed them. I took a couple of Panadols, had a half a bottle of water, went for a nervous one, got my stuff out of my bag. By this stage, it's like 10 to 6, quickly noting down the team changes, whatever else. And, and then right, this is the kicker, Right before we go on the air, in the ad break before the game starts, evacuate the stadium. Evacuate the stadium. And I'm like, you have got to be shitting me. That happens often. Honestly. At Wynn Stadium. I I don't know why. After all of this, I get into the stadium again. First world problems given the tragedy that unfolded on on the freeway, but... I'm thinking, oh, my God, fancy. Now I've got to try and, you know, get my head around the bloody... I'm thinking, and the producer and the director are saying, is that in the in the commentary box or outside the commentary box? And it's, like, it's in the box. Mm. Like, we were about to go to where with the... <laughs> happening in the evacuate the stadium seat. And I was like, wow, this is some sort of day. And, Laura, you might wonder why we are whinging about this, but we are creatures of habit, largely. The commentators uh-huh. and the ones I've seen. I like to be there two hours beforehand. You spread out your notes, you run through your prep, you look at the warm-ups, you do your replay opener, you adjust the different team changes. And, and that two hours, viewers might think, hang on, I switch on five minutes before the kickoff. That's too long. Why do you blokes need two hours? But when you're in that uh, environment, there's a lot still to do. And I hate having kickoff come with the blood pumping through your body, the adrenaline surging through you. That's to come later in hopefully a thrilling finish. Mm. We don't like being late. Yeah. No, no, but at but, all. But, And it's no different to the players. They, 
you know, they didn't. They would have been panicking. Can you imagine? They would have been panicking oh, as well. And they can't would have imagine. There would have been discussions going on for sure between the club and the NRL about pushing kickoff back. Yeah, which is a complication when you've got a second game yeah, to follow. Yeah, it was the eeriest thing walking into the stadium, and there was nobody there. I, there might have been I, possibly a thousand people. It didn't seem like that though. You said it in your commentary. There's a good reason for that. Was and you encountered it? The traffic. Yeah. And I guarantee there would have been a bunch of people who were all intending to get to the game. And some of them might have done because the crowd actually did build up a little bit. Not, nothing like it was going to be, I don't think. Um, but I'm sure there were people watching on KO or on Foxtel Go, whatever else, on their phones, watching the coverage uh, from 6 o'clock onwards who were stuck in the traffic um, going nowhere fast. I, I, went, I moved at one point. I reckon I moved less than a kilometre in an hour. And, and you know, early on you're thinking, okay, yeah, you're sort of moving every... Every couple of minutes, you'd move 25 metres and you'd sort of go, okay, well, I'm sort of, you know, I'm getting closer to being able to get off the highway here. But at some point after an hour, I was like, that's when I called you mm. and I said, hey, or you called me and said, how are you doing? I was like, Because oh. I had a worried producer Ooh. call me and said, if Woz doesn't advance from his place halfway down Mount Oosley, can you parachute on in? So I yeah. gave you a ring. And on the field, the Tarek Sims tackle has created plenty of talk. I knew that. I'd be asked to talk about it. So I watched it multiple times on Friday night. And every time I watched it, I thought, I can't categorically say it's late. I, I don't know whether there's any dangerous contact there. I, I don't expect him to be charged. Further to that, when I spoke to the commentators I was travelling with on Saturday morning, they were of the same thinking, which is boring because normally there's a difference of opinion and you can argue it out. Further to that, I bumped into an ex-playing member of the bunker who had also surveyed the tackle multiple times and said that, no, I don't think that Tarek Sims has done anything wrong. He'll be sweet for origin. Lo and behold, a few hours later, grade two, possibly three weeks, possibly out of origin. And I don't think the tackle was late. Mm. I'm all for, and I understand why they're trying to protect players, especially the playmakers and the kickers. But if Tarek Sims doesn't make the tackle on Michael Morgan, he's entitled to dummy and then race through. I think the contact had to be made. It was rough rugby league contact, and I'm sad that Michael Morgan was concussed and forced off. But the comments from... Coach Green afterwards lost me a little mm. and I can understand why Paul McGregor shot back like he did, maybe not with the venom with which he shot back, but, yeah, I'm intrigued to see what happens at the judiciary. Mm. I know they're cracking down. I know they're saying that the precedents no longer count, but if that tackle is deemed to warrant what I would term a lengthy suspension, then, boy, we've got a lot of uh, forwards angling in on halves who are facing time on the sidelines, I would have thought. Yeah, but I think they'll just have to pick out what we've been watching, which is looking at the contact and where it was made, if it was accidental, if it was a shoulder coming into contact with the head or if we, if we like we, we talked about it before, whether it was a head clash, which is accidental. Um, if it's accidental yeah. contact that's deemed reckless, yes. that's no excuse. Yeah. But if it's incidental contact, yeah. part of playing rugby league, that's where you're entitled to walk away. And I would have argued it was incidental contact rather than reckless or dangerous or late or... Overly high, so yeah. I think the 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 reason it set off Paul McGregor a little bit there was was not so much about um, the incident, but more about the fact that Green had actually done something similar the week before. So Brad Fittler had come out straight after Origin and criticised Josh Maguire, and then Josh Maguire got uh in trouble he's he got banned for that game against the dragons and paul green had just said you know maybe he needs to 
be careful what he says because, you know, it has it does have sure. an influence and it causes everybody to talk about it uh, and all those things. And then the week later he comes out and does the same thing. You know, this is what happens in the in the heat of battle in terms of your you want your team to win and, and you you get your priority sometimes um, mixed up in that yes, one week you want to protect the playmaker if it's um, your playmaker involved, but then the next minute you're defending your your big bopper who has has done the wrong thing. So, um, yeah, I think the the Dragons are going to – well, they are fighting it and he will be at the judiciary this week and I guess he'll have to get off the charge altogether, won't he, Maddie, to be eligible for yep. Origin? Yes, he will, yeah. Downgraded to one yeah. wouldn't be enough, was, would it? I don't believe so. Um, but uh, yeah. uh, it'll come down to whether he, they thought the tackle was late or not, I think. If they think it's late and then there was accidental head – you know, contact uh, as a result of that, and then it won't matter whether it was just a head clash. They'll say you're late. So any contact beyond that um, is enough to maybe uh, prove the charge. So I actually thought it, it, there was a tackle he made on Jack Cogger two weeks ago or three weeks ago in round 13. I remember. Um, against the Bulldogs and knocked Jack Cogger out of the game. And I thought, actually, he got very lucky there. I thought, you know, the couple yeah. of replays in, in the game that we were calling, I thought he got him with his shoulder and, and the jaw. And he would have missed Origin too. And he would have missed Origin. He wouldn't have been available yeah. for Origin too. So I thought he got a little fortunate, um, yeah, a couple yeah. of weeks ago. And he's the sort of player who does like to come out of the line and, you know, uh, get to a half and, and put that hit on. But there's renewed emphasis. Um, Suaso Sue from the Bulldogs... Beat a charge a couple of weeks ago, um, which I thought he should have been charged for, the hit on Cooper Cronk. Um, I thought, you know, that was a lay-down Mazaire um, suspension there. Um, it, match Review Committee agreed with my summation of it. The Judiciary Panel on the night didn't, though, and Jesse Sue beat that charge. But um, whether... And everything's changed now. They've just gone to the back to the drawing board and said, look, forget everything that happened in the past. Uh, precedents, you can't show precedents. We won't re- look at precedents. Won't consider those in assessing um, you know, tackles and stuff. So um, I guess everything that goes up in the next couple of weeks uh, between now and the finals will be sort of test cases or will certainly give us a new understanding as to what they're thinking um, in regards to the match review committee and then onwards from there, the panel as to whether they agree and often they don't. There's been a bunch of players, you know, beat charges in the last 12 to 18 months, um, famously Billy Slater in the grand, leading into the grand final last year. Mm. So, a huge win for St George Illawarra was. We'll talk more about why that was a huge win when we look at the round ahead later in the podcast. But while we're talking charges and judiciary, George Burgess, uh, executioner L. Pitt, and Executioner W. Smith. I've got the hood. What would be your punishment for uh, George? Gorgeous George, who wasn't so gorgeous as he drove what appeared to be two fingers into the eye socket of Robbie Farrar. Oh, before you answer, I did some calculations. Grade three, uh, his charge has been referred, so let's assume that it's referred because it's more serious than grades one, two or three, which now exist. Uh, the grade three punishment is 300. So let's say it's 400 as a round figure. He then gets loading of uh, 50% because he's had prize playing with England. That's up to 550 points. Let's then round it up because of the uh, attention it's gained and the nature of the incident. Let's call it 600. Is six weeks uh, above or below what you two are looking at for George? Below. Yeah, below. Yeah, I think he's going to get more than that. I think he'll probably get the rest of the minor premiership, which is we've still got nine games to go. Um, I think he'll get. I think he'll get the rest of the minor premiership off. I, I, thereabouts, anyway. I don't know. I don't think they'll rub him out for the rest of the season, uh, including the finals. But I think he'll get. You know, if if he plays again in 2019, I think it'll be if and the Rabbitohs will make the finals. Um, it'll be week one of the finals. I would imagine probably George Burgess's next game. What do you think, Lars? Yeah. 
if if he's lucky to come back for and play for the Rabbitohs, I think he'd count himself lucky. Imagine, I can't imagine what he's thinking when he's seen it on replay and seen all the photos over the weekend and all the backlash. I'm sure he wants to turn off from all of it and think it's a nightmare because, you know, we talk about how tough the game is and how, you know, players putting on hits and getting the timing off and then missing out on games and, you know, what you can't question sometimes how hard the forwards play it and, you know, they're not always going to get the hits right and so they sit out on the sidelines. But when you have someone who – I don't even want to call it a brain snap because there's so much time to think about what you're doing. Like the second your hand goes near someone's eye, surely you just don't think to press and apply pressure. You know what you're doing. Yeah, hard to imagine. Uh, although, you know – I was keen to hear so many I players. I, I can't – like I said, I, hope, I can't begin to explain as to why – you would do it or want to do it. It's a shocking look for the game. I'm driving around on Friday and then taking my daughter to netball and back on Saturday morning and listening to, you know, morning sports shows and stuff on the radio. And every time somebody mentioned, you know, like different things were happening in the game and, you know, when you toss in an eye gouge, gee, it's a horrendous look and image for the game to project and... You know, we always talk about, you know, mums and letting their sons and or now daughters, quite obviously, play um, rugby league. Does It doesn't do anybody any favours, does it, involved in the game? And it, it made me cringe watching mm. the vision and then hearing the, the, the feedback and the talk about it all in the 48 hours beyond that. Uh, just a just a, an awful look. And, I, and, and which is why I think they need to send a real message. And I think, a, a, you know, a real message begins with the rest of the minor premiership off. I think I think it'll be nine weeks and it's referred, so it's just open slather. They can hit him with whatever they feel mm. is appropriate. And, and they have I, to and because he's done it before. It's not right. like a one-off. Exactly you right. can't say it was a brain snap because the first time it's a brain snap. Yeah. Will his defence be using Josh Maguire as part of the argument to defend George Burgess given that Josh seemingly got off relatively free? Well, that was due to the fact that they also they couldn't see clearly. You can see clear as day what what went on with George. So you can't even – there's no way to excuse or to compare it because and, it's there in colour. And damning uh, from the rest of the players in the league to say, you know exactly where your fingers are. Like, don't use the excuse that, oh, it happened accidentally and he wouldn't have quite known. He might have thought it was a cheek or a – A nose. A n- nose. So, you know, George knew what he was doing. And George is off contract with South Sydney this year. We, Sam and Tom are signed long-term, 2024-2023. So the question, if he does cop a long suspension, will be has George played his last game yeah. as uh, a Rabbitoh? Quite potentially, yep. Yeah, absolutely, quite potentially. And, Should he have been know, sent off? Off, well, no, no doubt. Well, why wasn't he? No the bunker's doubt. there with multiple screens and, and a lot of time to pass a message on George has to go here. That is a better look. While you have the big audience there and then to say, George, this is unacceptable, you're gone. Yeah, and, and I always say in, in defence of the bunker in this situation that George Burgess will take this case or he will front and there'll be a defence at the judiciary and that, you know, those these cases could take an hour to an hour and a half, sometimes, you know, two hours, depending on what the situation is and how many experts get called or whatever else. And, you know, I don't know how many, if you need an expert to work out what happened in this one here. But, um, and so it's tough to say, I think at times, to say to the bunker, we want instant justice, you mm. know. And, but, but in this in this case here, mm. oh, yeah. I'm prepared to say, yeah, we needed instant justice. I thought it, it given all the focus about, you know, off the Josh Maguire stuff and Hudson Young with the Canberra Raiders and all the, the crusher tackles and how, you know, we're going to get fair dinkum with all these charges now and, it, you know, we're, we're coming down with a ton of bricks on people when they step over the line. Well, 
Oh, George, you know, he vaulted over the line, didn't he? I thought it was as blatant and as obvious an eye gouge as you'll ever see. It was only late last week that Annesley came out and said, we are going to crack down here, we're going to use the sin bin, we're going to use the send-off, we're not going to let players. And in other games, they used, used the sin bin for far less uh, and, in fact, quite harsh, uh, harshly on the team um, that got the sin bin, I thought, against the Panthers and the Warriors. But we'll get, that, get to that later. But for this one, they haven't got the confidence which yeah, is he, crazy. he should have gone. Basically, what that tells me, unless you run on with a meat cleaver and take someone's head off, you're not going to get sent off. Because that, that was a send-off. He should well, have gone. And Brandy and Blocker's reaction on the spot, two blokes who played in an era where it was far more violent, yeah. they, their response told me that, hang on, he's got to go. Yeah. You know, they, they, they were... You could hear it in their voices. No, no, no. They were saying, oh, come on, hang on. <clears throat> I, I, I expected him to be sent off. But as sure as eggs, you know what's going to happen here. In the next couple of weeks, somebody's going to do something and they'll get sent off. And there'll be a hue and cry about that team getting de- being down to 12 men and whoever it is will go to the judiciary and will beat the charge. That, uh, you know, it's just just the way the universe but, works. But you know we, that's going to happen. Do we then and, turn around and say he shouldn't have been sent off? No, that's right. But, well, I don't but, say that. No, but I'm in, in, well, it depends on what it is. Yeah, but... but it, see, it, the, so there'll be a knee, you know, there'll be a knee-jerk reaction. There'll be all this pressure now. Of, that you, you guys don't send anybody off. There's been two send-offs in the last six years or whatever it mm. is. And... We need to see somebody, you know, in situations that warrant it, somebody sent off and they will send somebody off. It'll be the, it'll be the wrong decision because humans make human mistakes and then there'll be a scream, no, you can't, you've got to send the right ones off. It's like, well, you know, it, mm. it's, it's, it's a tough, tough job. Like I say, I think they, they got it badly wrong in that case with George Burgess. Same as the one at Darwin. So Penny Terrapin on Jordan Rappenut. I'm sitting at home just relaxing on the couch watching it. Oh, he's got to go for that. Yeah. Ten minutes. Like, that was just So stupid. you're saying sin bin, not No, send not off. send off. Sin, I would have been happy with a sin bin, maybe not a send off, but a sin bin would have been a, the minimum. And then you hear the ref going, yeah, right, mate, penalty, you're on report. And it happened really quickly when he said it. I was like, oh, he's just going to put him on report here. Mm. And Jordan Rapana's is going, is my nose still on my face? Yeah. Yeah. He's looking at three weeks, Penny Terrapo, yeah. out of that. Yeah. And we all know, I mean, we're all sitting there saying, well, guys, um, in instances of foul play like that, we know the sin bin is able to be used. It's been reiterated a couple of times in the last few months. So why isn't this guy going to the sin bin? He has to go to the sin bin. He doesn't go to the end. Well, I said, probably said that three or four times over the weekend, mm. of instances of foul play, and none of them got sin binned. And Yet Jerome it, Lewis did. It's just a lack of confidence, quite obviously, with the guys in the bunker who aren't, aren't prepared to say, okay, well, I'm going to send that bloke to the sin bin. They're just too concerned about the feedback and the, and the reaction. Mm. Quite obviously. That can be the only excuse that they're just too worried about if I say, yep, uh, Jared Sutton, send that bloke to the sin bin or whatever it might, whoever it might have been in whatever game it might have been. They're just too worried about the reaction, quite obviously. Well, there's inconsistency there right now in terms of the result of different acts. And yeah. I'm thinking to myself as we're talking about this, why isn't there one person in the bunker for every game overseeing the two who review and, and his assistant? Virtually the pad there of what's happened this round and maybe last round. And uh, like Graham Annesley, for example, saying, no, sorry, he's got to be sin bin because we sent sin bin this bloke yesterday and, and this one last week. He's got to go in terms of send him off. Mm. Why isn't there one head overseer for every game? That way you get consistency mm. rather wow. than changing... Uh, combinations from game to game. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'd have no issue with that. 
it's you know you have to make it a full time job, and you're paying somebody whatever they would yeah. pay them, mm. uh, because if you're there for all eight games over the course of four days, then it's basically a full time job. That's, no bunker that's... has that power. Is it the game was stopped? It's a it's a foul play incident that needs to be reviewed. But the ref, the head ref, came in real quick on the decision. I'm talking about the Terrapo one, and they just moved along. Um, I, I I applaud Ivan Cleary. He's seriously one call customer. I dare think of what would have happened if the Panthers lost that game. But, he, you know, he just basically said the bunker made mistakes and, you know, sometimes you can't win them all. But they, thank goodness for their season, still won that game. But, you know, he, he thought the sin bin for Jerome Luai was tough, as as most of us it was, yeah. all agree. And then they make a bunker decision on a try David for the Fusatilla. Warriors, which... Wasn't a try. So I, I think Graham Annesley is going to be pretty busy today <laughs> talking about – we haven't had a real stinker from the officials in a while and I think today might get a few questions. I'd love to have an answer for you for all of this, to solve all of this, but yeah. as we've said in the past, we had quite a discussion over a number of weeks about this time last year and you can set your watch by it and we are a week or two away from refs in crisis. <laughs> refs in crisis. Hashtag refs crisis on the back page of the paper or something. Mm. Um, you know, it would have been. If Panthers lost that game, it would have been. For Ref sure. Because their been. season... It's it, their well, season's sure. hanging on an edge, and it would have been like the you know Ricky McFarlane of the touch judge. Remember that call at Shark Park last year that sparked the refs in crisis last year. But, but there is, I don't know what the answer is because this, this it's just you know humans making human mistakes, and until we have robots or whatever else, or we stop and review everything. But even when we review things, as we saw <laughs> yesterday with the David Fusatua try, and I'll look, I'll throw my hand up. David Fusatua is as they are. He's ridiculous. Put you know, he's one of those freaks like Kyle Felton, plenty of others. Josh Adokar, you can go through them. Um, can put the ball down from ridiculous positions, and it, we're watching. First off, his uh, foot on the sideline. His foot stays in. Then his knee is it above the ground, some meter outside the the sideline, and they're both very close, but they both don't touch the chalk. So it's all good. And then at the very last minute, McKenna says, "What about his left hand?" And you go. Oh, oh, wow. And, and after the decision had been made, referred by the bunker and cleared by the bunker, you go, oh, my God, his left hand is touching the ground outside the sideline. Well, and Because you, you, you looked at so many other things, you forgot about – and it, when you see it, it's pretty obvious, but when you're looking at checking off that point and then checking off that point, my point is with the bunker – you know, there's, there's more than one person in there. If you didn't have Mick in their bunker, no one Mick. would have looked at the arm. Well, it was further <laughs> to that. I was at ANZ Stadium with Brandy and, and Blocker before the 4 o'clock game. We were watching your call. We didn't see the hand. So yeah. you guys didn't. There's three of us looking at same thing. Leg, put down, other knee. We didn't see the hand. We, Brandy was saying, oh, how good is that? Blocker was saying, he's incredible, this bloke. We, we didn't see it. No. It was an amazing put down, but unfortunately yeah. he did have his hand on the ground outside the sideline, so it should have been no try. And yeah, Ivan, boy, off the back of the then it's thirteen versus eleven at that time, Ivan would have been exploding, and you know you, you wouldn't have had any issues with him exploding had that been the case. Had mm. they lost by a point yesterday, yeah. mm. said they win by a point, their season is back to seven wins and eight losses, which is incredible. But it felt like the Warriors knew they were a bit lucky. Like, they just went into their shell. After that, for to a try, they were like, ooh, we probably shouldn't be in this. Like, how, we, how we're playing against 11. Oh, we probably shouldn't be playing. You know, instead of going, right, this is it. Let's kill them here for the next three and a half minutes and let's take this game by the scruff of the neck. And they just didn't. 
Remarkable That's, win by Penrith when you look yeah. at it. And I'd like to go through the Warriors games this season and have a look at all the games where they probably should have won mm. but didn't. I'm thinking of Melbourne and there's others in there. Gee, it's disappointing. Mm. And before we get away from the referees, congratulations, Ben Cummins officiating NRL game 350 yesterday at ANZ Stadium. Wow, he's going to be a Cameron Smith Little the mention for ranks. Benny Cummins. Well done. That's a fair mm. career mm. in a tough, tough gig. Yeah. Braith and Astor presenting with a cake? No, Braith and Astor cake. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Why you're a cheeky bugger. Braith and Astor and Ben Cummins some years ago had quite a moment, didn't they, at ANZ Stadium? Yes. A little situation. You like raised it. that recently, I think. David Farlong. It's hard to get past. <laughs> I, I, you know, I get stuck on things. Mm. Let's take a look at the ladder because here we are, uh, not quite too, We'll do our two-thirds of the way through the season um, report card next week after we are back on level games with the second of the split rounds, four games next weekend. So everybody will have played uh, 16 games by that stage. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, we'll need an eraser because we put the red pen through played, Penrith. They'll have played 15 games um, by that stage. 15, so, yep. yeah. So Everyone's had the bye, basically. That's yep. right. So maybe we'll hold off our report card for the week later. But right now, as things stand, Melbourne in first... 12 and 2. Rabbitohs second, 10 and 5. They played an extra game. The Roosters are 9 and 5. They take on the Tigers this weekend in the split round. They're in third. Canberra are 9 and 6. Top four, fairly well settled. 8 and 6 are the Newcastle Knights. Manly are also 9 and 6, the same record as Canberra, who are fourth. Um, but on for and against, and with the bye, find themselves uh, back in sixth position. Sharks are on seven and seven. The Eels are now eight and seven after their win up there in Darwin. And the Tigers sitting outside in ninth position on seven and seven. There seems to be a bit, I mean, the Panthers, I guess, maybe are the dark horse, the smoky at the moment of the teams sitting outside the top eight. Could you see anybody, who out of the Tigers, Dragons, Panthers, Warriors, I'll even throw in the Cowboys and maybe I'll throw in the Broncos. Don't throw them in, was Just for well, the hell of it. You put a line through the Broncos the other way. Years ago. You cannot. I know. They, they, well, no, no. no I'm, there's I, a they chance can't. they actually suck. They're already in that yeah, yeah. category. Well, we've gone past. They, there's, a, there's a chance the Broncos actually suck. They do suck, don't yeah. they? They suck. I think we could go from badly. 11th upwards and that's it. So of those teams, uh, the, the for Panthers. mine, the Panthers yeah. are the only team who could potentially make the top eight. I don't think the, I don't think the Tigers have enough strike power to, to, you know, force their way into the top eight. Mate, the Panthers do. Boy, there's plenty of changes, though. Wonga, Blakes, Gonski. Um, so, um... The Dragons don't even is have the a t- team uh, what to I, I guess what I'm alluding league, so. to is the top eight settled. Or is it too early to say the top eight is settled? We've still got a stack of games to go and anything yeah. obviously could happen. And given the way the Sharks uh, fell apart yesterday badly against the team running last, their fans at the moment will be saying, well, you can't pencil us in or mm. ink us into the top eight given the way we went yesterday. The um, fairly fierce reaction and social media from Sharks fans after the game. Mm. Um, so well, what are you thinking? Well, I'm looking at Manly here in their next month. I've got the bye, then they'll return with games against Souths. Penrith, Melbourne, Newcastle. So by my calculations, uh, that's a tough run. And their team looks better and better despite being written off pre-season, the Seagulls. But that month will tell us a lot whether Manly can get the Trebojevic brothers back from origin and firing and all the other pieces in that puzzle that's come together so well under Des Hasler and stay in the top eight. I'm sure the Sharks will get it together. Parramatta. Uh, back-to-back wins for only the second time this season now. So there's still a question over their consistency. I, I suppose Manly and Para would be the two question marks in my opinion, but mm. Manly just continue to deliver, don't they? 
Yeah, Manly, I didn't wasn't alerted to the draw for their run home, tough run home, but um, I, I think Canberra will also feel like their top four spot is under threat. I know that they had that game in the bag, but they've got a, um, a an interesting run home and under threat from Newcastle, who um, her, it just seems to be that the teams that can get on those really good winning streaks and Newcastle's, um, you know, certainly turn their form around. Uh, out of the teams pushing for the eight, um, you know, I'd have to agree that the Panthers, in, again, on a good winning run, but they're only just winning games. Um, they've got to just keep keep the foot on the pedal to, to push. I think the seventh and eighth spot are still still the ones that are mm. open. So mm. there's about four, five or six teams that could, could push for seventh or eighth. So the Panthers have the bye this week in round 16. After that, they take on the Gold Coast Titans. Not to think they could beat them. That's at home. They take on the Dragons at home. They take on the Raiders at home. So three games in a row coming up for the Panthers up there at the foot of the mountains. Then they take on the Bulldogs away. So, you know, there's no reason why they couldn't win all four of those, is there? Mm. They, I mean, they may well not um, and likely won't because it's hard to – they've won five in a row. You know, nine in a row is pretty hard to do. Mm. Um, but – and then they take on the, the Sharks – uh, they've got the Broncos, they've got the Cowboys, they finish with the Roosters and the Knights. So a couple of tough games in rounds 24 and 25 for the Panthers, but their run between now and then over the next month and a half beyond Origin 3, it's not bad. Mm. They, they could keep on chalking up wins and be the team uh, if anyone's going to force their way from outside the top eight into the top eight. Uh, and they've done it in the past, didn't they? Under Anthony Griffin, they were two and seven and <laughs> made the finals. So they just keep on doing this and they've had a stack of changes. They had a, you know, an unsettled start of the season and they seemed as though everybody's happy. Um, Ivan keeps talking about that. it's just playing as a team and that's you know coming out in their defence as well. They were leaking points left, right and centre at the start of the year. They turned around a 30-10 to 10 loss to the Warriors only five or six weeks ago into a win on the road yesterday. Um, so their season is certainly on an upward curve and... And in reality, they should have been, you know, they should be a top eight team, given, given where they were. And, um, you know, Ivan Cleary returning home, uh, there'll be a book in it maybe one day if they go on and do something crazy this year and talk us through that first half of the season and or the first third of the season and what was happening in the preseason and the Gus Gould situation and all that sort of stuff. Um, lots of things were, had them off their game, but they've got it back. Jimmy wins. Yeah. Jimmy wins. He certainly does. He certainly does. What about who runs last, Gold Coast or the Bulldogs? After yesterday, in fact, I was involved with both of these clubs over the weekend, I'd be tending to say it's the Titans uh, because Canterbury uh, celebrated Aidan Tolman's 250th with a win and it was a sort of performance that I think summed up Aidan's career. It was tough, it was gritty, no frills, but he delivered. Mm. And uh, good to see Brandon Wakeham make his NRL debut a week after making his Fiji debut. And I interviewed him afterwards and he spoke about how the fact his earliest rugby league memory is sitting there cheering Canterbury. He's a Chester Hills Hornets junior, same club as um, Terry Terry Lamb. And uh, it was nice to hear him emotionally say, my earliest memory is cheering for Canterbury and here I am playing yeah. for Canterbury. It was fantastic. So uh, who knows what he will deliver. Mm. Uh, he brings a bit to the table. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I was a little bit surprised that we've waited until now to see him. 
Yeah. I love those videos that we get now when they get their debut jerseys. His dad presented it in the sheds yeah. before the game and always brings a bloody tear to my eye. I'm such a softie. And then his whole <laughs> family's there. His little sister, I think it was his little sister, started crying and he went over to give her a hug when he saw she was crying. He was like, I can't even go near you because yeah. you're going to make me cry in front of all my teammates. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a pretty big occasion for him coming on to replace Kieran Foran, who's now, mm. again, injured. Um, but to answer your question about the wooden spoon... Yeah, it's a toss-up between the Titans and the and the Bulldogs. And I'm not going to be as mean to say that the Broncos are going to get the spoon, but they're down in 14th position on the ladder. They're two wins clear of the yeah. Dogs and the Titans, but, uh, yeah. No, they're one, they're one win. They're five and nine. They're one clear of the Titans. Oh, they haven't had a bye. clear of the – so, yeah. yeah, but the, the bye is stupid as yes. far as giving points for the bye is stupid because it gives you a false sense of mm. where the team right was. I didn't so pick the, that the up. The Broncos have only had one more win than the Gold Coast Titans and the Bulldogs. That's and crazy. That, that tells you all you need to know about their season. Uh, let's take a look at what they have coming up because um, they've got the Sharks, sorry, they've got the um, yeah, Sharks this weekend on Sunday and they've got the Warriors at home up at Suncorp. I'm doing their next two games, so fascinating uh, time to be sort of involved in calling Broncos games given their season where it is. And, and honestly, if they lose to the Sharks, they'll be 5-10. and 10. Yeah, they're done. Well, they're done got, now. But if they lose to the yeah. Sharks, they're they're done. They'd have to win seven of their last nine. They're not going to do that, given that mm. they've won mm. five of their first fourteen. Um, and then they've got the Warriors up there at home as well uh, at Suncorp Stadium. And then they take on the Dogs up there. So, you know, it, it's coming to crunch time very, very quickly for the Brisbane Broncos. They've still got to play uh, Melbourne again. Uh, they got beaten by the Titans. Not that long ago, um, they got the Panthers who are suddenly in form. They've got the Cowboys up in Townsville. They've got the Rabbitohs down here. They've got the Eels down here. They finished with the, the Bulldogs. They've got the Bulldogs twice. And, well, the Bulldogs will be a chance of beating you know, the Broncos be, at the moment. Yeah. So, mm. um, yeah, I just, yeah if, there'll be no recriminations because it's year one and they're not going to toss the baby out with the bathwater. But this is not the way it was supposed to work out for the Brisbane Broncos and Anthony Seabold in 2019. It's just, you know, given their, all the advantages they have as the biggest team, the established team in the state, they get first crack at all the good juniors, or they certainly should. They should have the, the rails run at picking up, you know, picking the eyes out of all the young rep kids coming through throughout Queensland, and they haven't turned that into anything like um, a sort of dominance they should have in that part of the world and in the NRL for quite some time. Such a big brand. It's like looking at a list of soft drinks and seeing Coca-Cola running third last. Mm. You know, it doesn't make sense. You just don't get used to that sort of stuff. So uh, you're right. I wonder what the off-season will hold for Brisbane. It certainly makes 2020 interesting for Seabold and the Broncos, doesn't it, after uh, a failure in his first year. You're right. They won't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but it does add the blowtorch for next year. Mm. I mean, when you see Richie Kenner playing on the wing suddenly for the Brisbane Broncos, you're like, wow, Richie Kenner has been like a... You know, for the most part of his career, you know, a fill-in winger for a variety of clubs now and suddenly he's getting a run for the Brisbane Broncos. It sort of seems like it's all hands too. I've never seen them at a at a low ebb as far as, you know, roster management. Um, you know, the way it panned out at the end of last year, it was, it was ugly throughout 2018 with Wayne Bennett, that whole thing just kept playing out, couldn't keep it out of the papers, um, off the TV. Uh, it's stunning to see that they've got themselves in this predicament. And they are right back. You know, it's you can easily... They've got some pretty good forwards, and that is the hope of the side, I guess, that they've got some good young forwards. 
But if they don't bloom into the you know the forwards that you think they're going to be, then it's quite easily that they could find themselves in a situation where they go through a cycle of two, three, four seasons where they don't make the top eight, where they are just another of those teams trying to find a way. They could become the Dragons, what the Dragons have been. And that's very easy to do, isn't it? Because the Dragons, there they are. Professional rugby league outfit. They think they know what they do, what they're doing. And I'm pretty sure the, you know, the people in charge, they think they know what they're doing. Got a pretty good roster, but winning is hard. Mm. Winning is really hard. And, and you can find yourself in a cycle where you are looking for quick fixes and or chasing your tail in this competition very easily. And they could go through a period, and it might well be three or four seasons of coaching under Anthony Seabold where they do struggle and they don't produce the results they thought they were going to get beyond Wayne Bennett. And Anthony Seabold leaves at the end of his tenure or maybe a year before the end of his tenure because he won't make it to the end of... If, he, if they go through, year, through three years like this, he doesn't go into year four. No. No absolutely. question. So it's a fascinating period for the Brisbane Broncos. And it's hard to imagine. There they are with the city to themselves... Um, in some stage in the future, by the end of this little period, they may well have competition in the city for a, a second team coming into the NRL, whether it be as a 17th team or an 18th team. But I guarantee you, in the next five years, there'll be a second team up there in Brisbane when the new rights period starts in 2023. And that could still, that could, they could come in with the Broncos at a low ebb having gone through three ordinary seasons. As you're saying this was, I'm picturing Clint Eastwood just leaning back in his chair with a little sideways smirk on his face. <laughs> Why does that image pop into my head? Do you think it would have been much better if he was there this year? Absolutely, absolutely it would have been better if he was there. Absolutely it would have been. Mm. But, and that's not a knock on Anthony Seabold and people might say, well, how is it not? Well, well, you know, Anthony Seabold is the reigning coach of the year still. But just the amount of uh, miles on the ground experience in the game, this change was never going to be easy for the Brisbane Broncos. They're paying a price because of the change that was they're doing. Uh, it definitely would... I'm not saying they would have won the comp, mm. but I, I believe they would have been a much, much better top eight yeah. contention idea yeah. if Wayne Bennett was still so there. So one of the perks of sitting in this job and I only thought about it this morning is that um, often like when we're getting ready for show day, I'll be in the green room getting getting um, prepped up for Big League Rap last night and Mal Meninga just waltzes on in to do his Sunday ticket and he comes and sits in the green room. We just have a good old yarn about what's happened the day before and we started talking about the Broncos and what, what's been going on there and, you know, and, and it's sort of similar to what's happened at the Dragons this year is that you can't actually have all good young forwards and expect success. Yes, it's good that you've got young talent coming through, but in your forward pack you need a fine balance between experience and youth. And I don't think the Broncos, they've, they've just, it's, they're off kilter. And every press conference I feel like Anthony Seabold is just reiterating the same thing. We've got eight, eight players that have played less than 20 games in, in our starting team every single week. The Dragons having a similar issue with having some, you know, forward depth uh tested with no Jack DeBellin this year and they've had to accelerate some young forwards and, you know, it's hard and it's a fine balance between starting them every week and giving them more game time because they can't sustain the hard work week in, week out. Last year, Wayne Bennett had Josh Maguire there, so he played him for 80 minutes every week. He had um, made sure he played Alex Glenn every, every week for 80 minutes and he played Andrew McCulloch at Dummy Half for 80 minutes. And this year... 
Anthony Seabold doesn't have Josh Maguire anymore. Alex Glenn has been in and out injured and McCulloch's been in and out injured. So you take those three, the three pretty experienced guys mm. he's got. Yes, he got Matt Gillette back, but he's been, you know, with the origin um, back on his mind. They're three important people in your team that give you that that um, that punch, that experience, that that level head when young up-and-coming players, you know, can switch off and on throughout a game. Um, and that's what... That's a big difference, I think, that Anthony Seabold is, is missing is a lot. And, and, yes, he keeps saying it and it's getting boring, but it's going to be the same f- for the rest of this year for their fans, that they have to be stuck with the situation they have and that doesn't come down to Seabold's recruitment. He's inherited this team and, and, and if they want to hand him the reins, which they have for five, five years, then they need to trust that he can turn it around. Well, it's interesting and... Uh yeah, Mal Meninga. How good is that? Yeah, we're just sitting around chatting just about chewing the fat with Big yeah, Mal, and you know, getting that insight into how Wayne really did do it. You know, how the luxury he had of having just that little bit more experience mm. in the team than what Seabold has now. Whereas the Dragons have lost James Graham, for example, yeah. and that experience is crucial. Yeah, and, and you Jack saw DeBellin what happened when and, uh, they lost the hooker against Manly. Both sides that day lost their hookers, yet mm. Manly came over the top because they've got Marty Tapao, they've got Joel Thompson. Mm. They've you also know, got a backup hooker. In, they've yeah, got two of them. Fainu, who was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, Got a couple of boys called Travojevic too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that uh, helps. But that speaking helps. of the Dragons, can we just have a – chat about how the hell they're going to field a team this week. I just messaged Paul McGregor about it and there's... Offering your services. This is the Lara Pitt uh, half-hour therapy session. (laughs) (laughs) Our rates are pretty good here. Our rates are less than Coach Whisperers. Ten starting players unavailable for a game this Thursday against Right. I'm going to training on Wednesday morning. Yeah, are you going to play? Can, yeah. you, can you lace them up, Maddie? I'll play fullback. Play Matt at half. Duffy going to the half. I'd pay to see that. <laughs> mm, seriously. I would, I would leave a day early to see that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it's a... Because they're going to the, miss... The struggle so got is real. Corey Norman, the Queensland team has been named as we uh, record uh, here this morning. Um, Corey Norman will be missing. He's now in the uh, origin uh, scenario as far as Kitty Walters is concerned and the Maroons. Uh, ben Hunt, quite obviously. Paul Vaughan for New South Wales. Tarek Sims, either suspended or playing for New South Wales. Tyson Frizzell for New South Wales. And then you go through the injuries. That's five. So that's five There's origin five. players. Um, then got, you've got the injuries. Yeah, you've got Zach Lomax still out with his thumb. James Graham still out for a number of weeks. Gareth Whittup until probably the end of the season or, you know, maybe he's he's done. Jack DeBellin hasn't been available, quite obviously. Um, so, yeah, it's the best part of ten players they're missing. Um, and they play the Melbourne Storm who will be down a few as well. Yeah, down a few, but they've got a fellow called C. Smith. Yeah. And a, oh, hi, Ryan Pappenhausen. How you doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's going okay? And Jerome Hughes. Yes. What about now? We've spoken a couple of weeks ago about my Craig Bellamy stories from. Um, oh, I know where you're going. The old sports ground and whatever else when he's blowing up, and I'm saying, "There's Craig Bellamy blowing up." Like, Why would I be blowing up, Warren? Uh, live to air. Um, <laughs> and, and there he is. My God, that the, re, the re, that might have been the reaction of reactions and at Adelaide see, Oval. Did you see Friday Jerome? Night. Jerome Hughes is up in the coach's box and he's sitting up there. He's like, <laughs> like wanting to. What do you do? Wanting to laugh. You could tell he just wanted to giggle naturally and he just had to look away from Craig. And I think um, Andy Raymond said in the com- in commentary that that all the players on the sidelines saw it on the big screen and the Storm players, the Storm bench were all having a laugh because they just know he rides every single moment. If a human being is ever <laughs> going to spontaneously combust and suddenly just a... Poof, 
and there's just like a pile of ashes on the floor. Craig Bellamy is my thousand to one favourite to uh, yeah. to be that the first human to ever just spontaneously combust and disappear into a flame, you know, it's just an arc of flames <laughs> and oh, just, just his reaction, like it just it, it's almost an out of body experience. Can we can we mic him up and put a heart monitor on him? God, it'd be so. How good, good would that be? I, honestly, I've, I've happily watched Greg Bellamy Cam like on the in the replay box have it just there all game. I, I would pay good money to see Matt Russell play fullback for the Dragons. I would pay outstanding money <laughs> to be in the coach's box at any Melbourne Storm game, and, it, and especially a big game. Uh, and, and if you could guarantee me it was going to be tight, then I would pay. But even when it's not, I'd pay in the thousands to be yeah. uh, get a chance to sit in the coach's box with Craig. I'm pretty sure when there was smashing Parramatta at Magic Ground, he still had room for a blow up in that game. He just. It's just he doesn't care about the scoreboard. It's about taking every opportunity. I think that was a message from Craig just coming through then saying, Warren, I'm not letting you anywhere near the coach's box. I've had the second best experience there. I was with Daryl Halligan in New Zealand after a Warriors game. Sorry, before a Warriors game the next day. We are at the hotel downstairs watching the previous night's games and who should come and sit at the table but Frank Panisi, Craig Bellamy, Jason Riles and a few of the uh, Melbourne Storm hierarchy. And we watched the two games that night with Craig and Frank at the table and just to sit there and hear their take on the other teams that were playing, I thought I'm the luckiest bloke in the world tonight. It was a great insight. But he was very, very calm watching the other teams. Not oh. so much when he's his own team. And Craig is action. super calm. All the time. 99.99% of his life. It's just that 0.01% of his life that's spent in the 80 minutes inside the coach's box and maybe half time as well where it's, it's, it's the show of shows. Mm. There is... Is there a you – know, probably, it's probably been baseball managers in America and stuff who carry on um, coming out of the dugout and, you know, kicking dirt on the umpire and pulling a base out of the base paths and throwing it into the grandstand and stuff. But, you know, Craig, it's, it's, he's up there, isn't he? Like you think of all the famous managers in, in Premier League soccer – Go through all the various sports. Yeah. Ricky's pretty good when he when he's sideline in the rain and a chair goes whizzing yeah, past your ear. Yeah, yeah, not as con- <laughs> not as consistent, but he's he's had a good. Had yeah, a I good like run. Ricky sideline. Yeah. I like he's good value too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Craig wins though. I agree. Craig wins by the length of the Flemington Strait. <laughs> uh, big game for the Dragons to go back to back. This yeah. is the second of three in a row in Wollongong, and they're all. Uh, shall I say, tough slots because we had a a Friday 6 o'clock game in gridlock. Here we are Thursday night to start the origin-affected round and the following weekend it's a date with the Raiders, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Uh, On the Sunday, so the longer longer turnaround for all of them. But, yeah, this game is is super crucial for them because – this time last year, you called this game was against the Storm, and it was a was it you saying that you called it? No, maybe got my wires crossed there that they were neck and neck for a while, and then the Storm ran away with it. Um, same thing, Origin affected, and um, still very important two points up for grabs. Mm, they're walking the tightrope, the Dragons. Yeah. They need this three-game Wollongong stretch to read win, win, yeah. win. Mm. Yep, six wins and eight losses at the moment. So if we're talking about our minimum. 12 wins to get into the finals. They need to go 6-4 and four in their last 10 games, having played 14. Uh, they need to win six of their last 10 to be any hope. And that still might not be enough, depending mm. on what happens um, with other teams, quite obviously, and for and against. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a must. Against a depleted Storm side, it's a must win. But, geez, as we just said, Dragons missing 9 or 10. Yeah. So th- th- their team will be, be fascinating. They'll to be see. fielding a reserve grade. Team, Pretty basically. almost, yeah. yeah. Um, on Friday night, the Tigers and the Roosters play 
at Bankwest. Similar scenario, I guess, for the Roosters with a stack of players missing. But uh, Cooper Cronk um, uh, is there and he didn't play a few weeks Keary back. Will the, be and back. Luke Keary speaking yeah. to Luke uh, yesterday who was uh, here in the studios um, doing Sunday ticket. Uh, he'll be back and he's good to go. He's, you know, he's and Latrell Mitchell's fine. not playing Origin, so... Latrell's yeah. not playing Origin. Uh, Vic Radley isn't playing Origin. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're in pretty good shape. The Tigers... Uh, hit and miss, and there'll be plenty of talk about the field and the actual surface itself being a turf perv. Mm. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm this fascinated. Is, this is a, a real I, thing. I can't. I won't be at that game. I'm doing the Sharks and the Broncos on Sunday down there at Sharky Park, but I'd love to be out there because I would spend half an hour just running my fingers through the turf <laughs> at Bankwest oh, Stadium. Creepy. Just to see because um, a lot of the new stadiums now have this weave where so there's like some artificial turf in amongst the actual turf itself. And I'm thinking of a yeah yeah hair out here. Yeah, so so there's like a like a sort of net system in the soil, and coming out of that net system is some actual plastic artificial turf in amongst. Yeah. The, so it's, it probably represents, you know, five percent of the actual what's there. But there's there's real grass in and amongst, and it's it's the idea is it keeps keeps the sod together, it doesn't. So you don't get those bits where players dig in mm. and have huge chunks coming out of the turf. That's the idea with, with the weave, the, the artificial plastic weave. It's, high, it's called you know, hybrid grass, basically, and there's a number of mobs who do it for sports fields these days, and that's, I think, what they have at Bankwest Stadium, um, I'm pretty sure, but I'd love to be running my fingers through it just to get a bit of a... But isn't bit. it the dew that's the issue? Yes. Like, it was like a... It was dead set an ice rink last yeah. time we saw oh, a game yeah. there. Well, it, like Rabbitohs Tigers, fifteen yeah. inch sprigs. To, and to talking to, to the Rabbitohs players, they said very slippery, very dewy. So how do you fix that turf? Well, they've bird? got heating under there. They need to use it. They've got all this technology. And do they, they have actual? They've heat? got heating. Well, see, heating I would have thought would would, would negate the dew. Or would it make it worse? But they've got they got sucker drainage. Well, they do have that. So, so they've got goodness. just put both of them on. So like at Augusta National Golf Club, just concrete the joint <laughs> where they play the Masters. Yes, we'll get some, no dew then. Get some concreters in and just pave the whole joint, paint it green. Um, yes, they can suck water out of it with the fan system. As I said, they have that at Augusta National Golf Club. Um, they can control the moisture levels in the in the field. So actual, you know, like drainage is it? It's not a drainage issue it's more a dew issue and the fact that the dew just sits there well you know the dew point at this time of the year the temperatures get so low that you reach the dew point pretty quickly and mm. you're gonna you, you, there's gonna be no game there that isn't gonna have dew mm. in be, between the, the months of you know sometime towards the end of may and then all the way through to september basically you have to get back through to spring comfortably before you get past your temperatures warm enough to not get down to the dew point. Yeah, 8 o'clock on Friday, it's going to be dewy. At 8 o'clock, it's going to be dewy. But heavily, you, unless it's raining. Is that, on, or... is that on Steve Jobs' weather? No, no, that's just me. What's it's that M. On? Russell weather. He's not looking at the weather app. <laughs> <laughs> He's just decided. Yeah, I just decided that was. Is that right? Yeah. Let me, uh, I'm trying to manly go through. Anyway, <laughs> it's boring as batshit. So who's going to win that game? I'm actually trying to find Paramount weather. For, when do for, the, for, the Roosters get Jake Friend and, and Jared Warrior Hargreaves Jared's back. back. This week, too. Okay, so, you know, all of a sudden, even during Origin, you can understand why, even with Melbourne six points clear on top of the uh, table, why the Roosters are still premiership favourites when you consider they've got More Jake upside. Friend to come back, they've got mm-hmm. Waria Hargreaves to come back, Luke Keary to come back, and they only went down narrowly against Melbourne in a high-quality affair. Yeah, so and got, they don't if 
poor old uh, Beemos, there was a really right. great shot right at the end there where they created plenty of chances and that's why Trent Robinson wasn't too disappointed mm. with the with the performance. He saw a lot more, um, I think he said, grit in the team than he has in the last few weeks and um, they created plenty of chances. So, yeah, put all he's at pains to say it doesn't matter who's coming back. We can't focus on that, but there was things to build on. Yep. against what they did against the Storm. So. Moz and Chad Townsend to appear on Australia's Most Wanted for Murders over the weekend. <laughs> uh, bombed tries. Mm. Yeah, it wasn't a, wasn't a great afternoon. Um, and just back to the bye. I mean, Melbourne are six points clear, but they're yeah. only two wins clear yeah, yeah. of the Rabbitohs. So yeah, that's true. Again, that's a bit of an anomaly with getting two points for the bye. Why we do, I'll just never, never know. So, it, it, And I, to tell you the truth, I don't even – I never – you know, for some time now, I don't even look at the points – as far as what te- points teams yeah. have, it's an old school idea. It's wins. It's wins and losses. It's all about wins and losses because Just that's stop what giving the take. teams two points of the bye and it's yeah. problem solved. Well, they were going to do that some time ago and David Gallup and Graham Annesley, this is going back the best part of 20 years or, you know, sort of back into the early 2000s and people blew up that the team would go backwards when they had the bye because uh, they didn't get right. two points over the course of the weekend. I was like, oh, we didn't, we didn't play and we went backwards. Well, who cares? Yeah. You're gonna, and eventually, you're going to play the same amount of games, but yeah, it's a strange old world, isn't it? Um, Saturday, Knights and Warriors play at McDonald Jones Stadium. Do you want some breaking news? Now, I know when people listen to this, they will know the New South Wales team, and we might know whether Tarek Sims has been exonerated at the judiciary or not, but James Hooper reporting that David Clemmer has been called and told that his services will not be required yeah. for Origin 3 mm-hmm. unless Tarek Sims uh, is suspended at the judiciary. Now... I'm sure I speak for plenty of people when I say I'm staggered that you don't have the best prop in the world playing origin decider when he's at your disposal. You've labelled him best prop in the world. Well, can you give me a better one? Oh, Who, who's Jesse Bromwich. I, I, would, I would argue that right now David Clemmer is above Jesse Bromwich. Over really? career, definitely Jesse Bromwich you know, has proven it. But in terms of he returned from a risk See early. Uh, yeah, I just think Clemmer's got a bit more go forward in him bit more at the moment I, I'd label him the best prop in the world. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. There's some good ones. There was there was some rumblings about it last night when we had the big league wrap on and it was starting to there was talk starting to circulate that Clemmer was gonna miss out and we we, we just almost couldn't believe it. Damien Cook sitting next to us and we're you know, we just assumed that he would mm. come in because we've had an injury and there'll be but if they're moving Wade Graham or they're holding Wade Graham on standby for Nathan Cleary they obviously want to fill his spot with another utility um, and not yeah. another forward. Um, and by all reports, Cleary's doing okay. So maybe we're just an unchanged team. Maybe. Which is a big which is a big call considering Clem, as you say, did a great job on the weekend for Newcastle and he's, he's tough as, as they come. And it's you can't even take what happened in game two for granted because that was a great performance, but it'll be totally different again. I understand loyalty and yeah. who are we to challenge Freddie Fittler given his selections that worked for game two, but I am staggered. Mm. So what I'm saying to you was is that the Knights could well have David Clemmer yeah, that would be available. a massive, massive bonus f- uh, for that game against the Warriors. And But wouldn't you just bring him – like why would you go through this drama? Yeah. Why wouldn't you just name an ni- 18-man squad, 19-man squad with Clemmer and Tarek Sims like in it? Like what Kevy's done. Yeah, because there's every chance that, that – who knows, the judiciary is going to find a freeze frame of Tarek Sims' shoulder hitting – Morgan in the mouth accidentally, but he'll have to miss. So then what? Oh, sorry, Clem. Oh, come on. Yeah. Come into camp. Anyway, a news story from Hooper that will create plenty mm. of talk 
past results are no uh, indicator for future performance, <laughs> no. as we were talking about last week. Exactly. So anything could happen in, in Game 3, despite the, the Maroons uh, making some changes in their forward pack. Um, Jared Wallace gone, Dylan Napa gone. Uh, who plays fullback? Very likely Cameron Munster slots back into the fullback role. Corey Norman now in the side for Kevy Walters, probably plays 5-8. Michael Morgan stays in the centres because they're short of centres, unless there is um, some other thing. Michael Morgan could obviously play fullback, and they might decide to switch things around during the game. He's got four fullbacks, and Kevy says he knows who he's going to play there. He's just not telling anyone. Mm-hmm. So there you go. New South Wales have got quite a few fullbacks as well, potentially. <laughs> That's true. And they worked out a right for them in, in game two over there in the rain in Perth as well. Final game uh, in this split round, four games only, one game each day. Sunday, Sharks and Broncos down there in the Shire. And, uh, wow, big, big seven days uh, in build-up for this game for the Sharks, given what they produced yesterday against the Bulldogs. Their, their first priority will be to cut the errors. There were 14 errors against Canberra when they gifted the Raiders a 20-0 head start. Yesterday they came up with 15 errors as they gifted Canterbury a 14-point head start. Yeah, 14-0. And then they should have run them down, as it turned out again, but couldn't on the back of 15. So that's 29 errors across two games. The other issue for them is landing a blow in the first 20 minutes. They've gone seven first quarters this season without scoring a point. The only game they absolutely blitzed in the first half was against Parramatta at Shark Park, and that was when Clint Gutherson got knocked into next year, Mm. and they were in all sorts of the eels. But other than that, their starts have been poor, and... um, John Morris has got this really – I mean, I wish the Dragons had this issue, but now they've got all their players coming back and they're not playing well to – well, they didn't play well together on the weekend. So, um, you know, Sean Johnson I don't think would say he had a, had the best day in the office. Well, Matty Moylan, six errors yeah. at last count personally and uh, we're talking about the Sharks as being a top four contender and maybe a premiership team when they get everyone back on the field. They've led at half time just twice this season and we're yeah. talking about them like that. Mm. Potential, but it's unrealised at this point. Do you know they missed Andrew Fafita? Yes. One more game to serve. One more. He won't play this weekend against the Broncos. He's back in round 17 after that uh, So an experienced forward. Mm. An experienced forward. They're they're like gold. They are. are. No, they are. That big bopper to start the game to lead that that gets everyone on the same page. If Jimmy wins, you could make a case that Andrew wins. He's a pretty good career, hasn't he? Well, if Sam Burgess is there, South's are a different team. We keep talking about this all year. Who's that one player? Everyone's got one. You can't not have them. Well, the season doesn't go the way you plan. We'll see well, how Wally, the Sharks go without Andrew Fafita against the uh, the battling Broncos. While he was suspended, Andrew Fafita is chaperoning Val Holmes around the Shire and to the airport because he's going to spend the back end of this week up in Townsville, oh, okay. maybe speaking with Paul Green. Who knows? Are we but, having uh, a sweep on how many minutes Val Holmes plays for the New York Jets? No, we're not, he, but we he can. Get, does he ever get on the field, do you reckon, in, in an NFL game? Well, the odds are against him resoundingly so. Him, yeah. um, but... I asked him yesterday what part he's finding hardest in preparation for this and as he goes through the process and he couldn't pin it down, it's all tough, learning the plays, changing your body type, dealing with life in the States when, you know, Val would admit he's not a big city kind of kid. Um, So it's difficult and he's up against it, but uh, he believes in himself. It kept coming through in the interview yesterday. He believes that he's going to do it. Dealing with wearing a helmet and having other players trying to hit you with their helmet. And I know they've changed the rules over there, but there's helmet-to-helmet contact all the time and they're wearing massive big shoulder pads and stuff and just the, the force of the collisions and the bodies coming at you, I think, would you know make you have a couple of second thoughts about... And at least in, in rugby league, you sort of know where 
where the you know, the defence is coming from. Mm. In that game, my God, they're coming from behind. If depending on what position you play, if you're carrying the ball and stuff, they're coming from all angles and they're trying to turn you into dog food. He looked like an NFL player yesterday because you're wearing a hat as we speak, Was Well, he had his back to front and just sitting on top of his head, not pulled down over his head. And beside him, Andrew Fafita had the Gilligan's Island hat <laughs> on. Hat. So uh, it, they look like a couple of NFL blokes who are treading that fashion line. Um, <laughs> Andrew Fafita's hat looked like he'd pinched it off a mascot. Like, it was that big, <laughs> honestly. I thought he pinched off a teapot. It was like a tea case. It was like 48 sizes too big. <laughs> or did he have, like, the back of it just undone and it was just like, I don't know, it was weird. He wasn't happy. It that looked weird. So well, here we are, middle-aged white guys uh, criticising <laughs> footballers for their fashion sense. Seriously. What my 16-year-old gives me tips. Does he? Yeah. No, what does work. he say? Don't play football back to the Dragons. How do you wear that shirt, Dad? But you know the good part is I'm almost in the realm of being able to reach in and borrow. He's basically almost... Oh, my God, you're going full reversal. My my size. And I was doing some ironing the other night and I thought, I think he's bought me a new shirt. It was bloody Carter. So I've got my eye on that. That'll disappear when I next need to go out and impress, was. I thought you were going to say the top. How old is Josh? Josh is 15. Oh, not long. I still Anthony's clothes. Josh, <laughs> Josh, actually, he's getting close. That I, he's wearing some some clothes that I could get into. There you go. Same. Your size. wardrobe's about to double like pretty that. Much, pretty much. Yeah, but I know. Like he's the king of hoodies, my young bloke. Oh. Eight, yes, we eight, talked about this. Eight, Eighty-three hoodies. Oh, the only bad part is that they're not paying for their wardrobe yet. It's still mum and dad, so you actually are <laughs> buying a second wardrobe. I thought your advice for <laughs> <laughs> your son was going to be the time on a classic. I brought you into this world. I can take you out of it. <laughs> Actually, just settle down. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Although even that is at it's at lengthening odds. Uh, I yeah, think that's probably right. Come second. Get in the ring. <laughs> get, in, get in the gym, <laughs> and Russell. He won't listen to this. I hope. It's been fun. Right, yeah, we're talking a lot. Next week, split round coming up. Enjoy all the action on the Fox League or a KO. How will you consume your rugby league these days in the cyber world that we live in in 2019? And we'll come back to, uh, yeah, next week to talk about what happens over the weekend and with a preview build up for Origin 3. My goodness, it'll be exciting to see what happens at ANZ Stadium in uh, 10 days' time. Until then, you can take me now. I've seen it all.